Our passage of scripture this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. I love the Gospel of Luke. He is so detail-oriented in how he um, uh, gives his details in the text of how his readers and his, uh, his audience can understand. I love this passage. Um, this passage that we're going to go over, chapter 7, is, I think, a passage where we can have a spiritual reality check. A spiritual reality check to examine our hearts to understand that we are no better than anyone else, and we're definitely not better than God. And I think within that, to understand that we, because we're not better than anyone else, and because we're not better than God, we need God. And by this very same God's grace, he's willing to give us grace. And he's willing to forgive us when we fail him. Let's examine our hearts as we open uh, the text to chapter 7 of Luke to uh, verse 36. Verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now there was a woman who, in the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, standing behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet, anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is, who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Verse 40. And Jesus answered, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Verse 43, Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, You have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your, ho your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has, she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since, since she since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she announced, uh, anointed excuse me, my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you that her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. A rather longer passage, but a great text. I love this text. There's, there's so many details that Luke gives in within the text for us to have a spiritual reality check, to examine our hearts, to realize that we all need God, and that we're not all better than else. That, that spiritual reality check. You know, it reminds me of a video I saw the other day. It was of a preacher. He was, he was preaching um, a message. Now, you know how preachers are, okay? Every, every preacher has that style, okay? Whatever the style may be. Now, this preacher, his style was he would he would say something from the text, and then he likes to have a response from the audience, right? Like, and all God's people said, amen, right? Okay. Uh, if you go to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, everybody say love. Right? That's, that's the kind of style he had. <laughs> that's the kind of style he had. And so he's, he was teaching a message saying that everyone was beautiful. Now, I didn't get the, the clip didn't show the context of, of, of the text or anything like that, 
His, my assumption is that he was talking about how we're on the image of God, and since we're on the image of God, therefore we're all beautiful. I think that's where he was going with that. And he said that we're all beautiful. And he said, you're beautiful, you are beautiful, starts pointing at people, I am beautiful, turn to your neighbor and say, I am beautiful. And so they would, they would turn to their neighbor and say, I'm beautiful. Well, one woman, she turned to her neighbor and said, I am beautiful. And the man looked at her and said, ma'am, you can't lie in church. And so I know what the preacher's talking about, but you need a reality check. It's kind of a little harsh. But I think for some of us today, we need a spiritual reality check. Not a, I'm not talking about a physical reality check, a spiritual one, where we examine our hearts, where we understand that we don't want to hear what we want to hear, but we need to. And we need to um, understand that we have fallen short of the glory of God. We don't deserve God. And, you know, if, if we have any thoughts to say, well, I can't come to God because I'm not good enough, well, you're kind of right. You're not good enough. That's why I came to you. That's why I give grace to you. Now, this Pharisee that we mentioned in the text, he needed a reality check. Let's look at verse 36. One of the Pharisees was re requesting Jesus to dine with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, watch this. My first point this morning is that Jesus will recline with anyone who invites him. Jesus will recline with anyone who invites him. I love that. I love that. Y'all know that. He, he reclines with sinners. He reclines with the sick. He reclines with the IRS of his day. Is anyone here, if they get an uh, invitation from the government, going to go take that invitation? Don't answer that, because I, I know the answer. Jesus did. He took that invitation, and it, he also took the invitation of this Pharisee, the religious, who think he didn't need God. But I also want to point out that just because we invite Jesus just because we invite uh, Jesus to recline with us does not guarantee we automatically have a good relationship with him. Look at verse 39. We're going to go into a little more details in the text, but just, let's just take a glance for a second. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, saw what the woman was doing to him, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, but she is a sinner. Now, see, interestingly enough, Pharisee obviously did not have a good relationship with Jesus. If you invite Jesus, that doesn't guarantee you automatically have a good relationship with Jesus. He, he invited Jesus, but he didn't invite what Jesus was bringing to the table. What Jesus brought to the table was good morals, a higher standard, if you will, a, a, a standard of grace, a standard of understanding that, yes, this woman is not good enough, but I'm going to forgive her anyway. I'm going to love her anyway. Now, again, the good news for you and I is that he will recline with any one of us if we invite with him. Now, of course, I don't mean that in the physical sense, okay? We can't invite Jesus into our house physically, but we can still invite him into our lives. And to invite him in whatever he is willing to offer. But when we invite him, we need to also accept what he brings. And usually what he's going to bring is correction because he loves us. Turn, turn with me real quick. Hold your finger at Luke. I want y'all, I don't usually do this, but we're going to do this now. Turn to Revelation real quick. That's the last book of the Bible. Okay? Shouldn't be too hard to find. Now, after I just said it's not hard to find, you would think it wouldn't have a hard time finding it. Turn to chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, and I want y'all to watch this. Because usually when Jesus goes to a door, he usually comes for correction, to change people. So go to Revelation chapter 3. Go to verse 19, Revelation 3, chapter 19. Jesus is talking, 
and he says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now watch the next verse. Behold, I stand at the door, knocking. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. Now in that context, he's talking to a church, Laodicea, where the church, Jesus said, I know your works, and they're useless. You're not, you don't have any purpose within what you were doing. And because I love you, I'm willing to correct that. And I stand at the door knocking. I, I love Jesus. You remember in the resurrection, Jesus has manners. I love that. Because Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead, he walked through walls. He's not going to walk through the door. He has manners. He wants us to invite him in. He wants to feel welcomed. He wants to feel invited, of course. He, he's gonna, he wants to feel invited, but he also wants to feel welcomed. This gets to my second point, that Jesus will change those who welcome him. Jesus will change those who welcome him. Look at verse 37 and 38. Verse 7 says, There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, let's stop right there just for a second. Throughout this sermon, I will be having a lot of details in the text because Luke is so good in this passage. It says that there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Why, why, Luke, why does Luke add that detail? We know she's a sinner for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? We know this. Why add that detail in there? It's probably to show an emphasis of her sin. She's probably wasted her life. And she's full of sorrow and repentance. But she still welcomes Jesus. What? Keep, keep going. Verse 37. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet, and anointing them with the perfume. Now, interestingly enough, there's a comparison here with, with what the um, what the Pharisee did and what the, the woman did. Now, the comparison is between on the word invitation and welcome. For an invitation, it's for specific purposes, specific issues or specific times. The Pharisee, he invited Jesus for a specific time. Let's eat at this specific time, and Jesus took that. But when it comes to, see, because, for example, like um, we, we do that daily. When we invite Jesus, Lord Jesus, I invite you in this moment to just be, be worshipped. Lord, I invite you to please intervene in this moment. I need discernment. I need your help on this situation. Lord, I invite you in this moment. I'm about to bomb a test. I need your peace about that, right? We'll probably pray that a couple times. <laughs> I'm up there with you. But in, so invitation was for specific purposes. But welcoming was welcoming wherever Jesus wanted to go. Wherever Jesus wanted to go. He was he to be welcomed is to accept and follow wherever he wanted to go. The woman did that. See again, the comparison is that side. The Pharisee he invites Jesus, but the woman is the one who welcomes him. The woman is the one who who says that uh, he is going to be served, right? Because and and because of that, she was changed. She was changed. She clearly expressed repentance of sin through her actions because she was changed and jesus usually changes us and so that we can repent of our sin and interestingly enough when it comes to 
um, uh, the, the Pharisee and the woman. The Pharisee didn't think he needed forgiveness. But the woman knew she did, and she expressed repentance. And this gets to my third point, is that Jesus knows the sin that you struggle with. Jesus knows the sin that you struggle with. Now, we're going to get into a bigger part of the text, but there's so much details, and if we blink, we'll miss it. It's so good. Go to verse 39, and it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him, why does it emphasize who invited him? Of course we know that, he, that uh, Jesus was invited. Why does that put that emphasis on there? Because it's, again, a comparison that the Pharisee invited him, but the woman was the one who welcomed him. Keep going. The Pharisee said to himself, he said in his heart, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him that she is a sinner. Now watch Jesus. Watch this, verse 40. And Jesus answered him. Wait a minute. It said in verse 39, he said to himself. It said he said in his heart. And it said Jesus answered him. Only God knows the heart, right? Jesus is bigger than a prophet. He's more than that. He's bigger and more than a teacher. He's God. And what, does he, and what does he say? He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's also beautiful. Because, if, again, if you blink, you miss it. The, the Pharisee, he said to himself in his own heart, if, if, this, if he was truly a prophet, he would know who this was. He would know who that sinner is. And what is, Jesus doesn't look at the woman. He looks at Simon. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He knows the sin you struggle with. He knows the, the woman's sin. He knows that. But he also knows the sin of Simon. And by the way, we didn't get, we didn't get a name until now. We didn't get a name until Jesus was the one who said it. Because Jesus knows the heart. He knows the sin that we struggle with. And then what does he say? Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, well, say it, teacher. Again, the, 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 the Pharisee, he doesn't think that Jesus is any prophet. He, didn't, he doesn't believe that because it, or if he was a prophet, he would have done this. He only thinks Jesus is just some teacher that he thinks he can correct. And we're probably going to have some theological discussions. That's all he thinks of. He thinks he's only a man, only a teacher, but we get later that he's more than that. See, the... the the emphasis on how Jesus knows the woman is that, yes, he knows the sin of the woman. And he knows the sin of the Pharisee. But the difference between the two of them is that the woman repented and that Jesus was and is willing to change both of them. He clearly changed the woman. He could have also changed Simon if Simon desired to repent. And this gets to my fourth point, that Jesus can correct the sinner. He knows that he knows the sin that you struggle with. He knows. But he also knows that he can correct you if you are so willing to be corrected. And so we get within the text of whenever, remember verse, verse 40, he says, and he replied, well, say it, teacher. Here's the thing. If you're going to put Jesus to the test, you're going to be the one realizing you're going to take the exam. Okay? If you're going to call Jesus the teacher, he's going to give you that test. Say, okay, call me teacher. Let me teach you something real quick. Now we'll watch verse 41. He keeps going. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 500 denarii is around a year and a half 
for the paychecks. You only get paid a day. So for us, that's a how many at least more than 365 paychecks, he's not going to pay that debt. Now, the second guy, the, the 50 denarii, that's around two months, a little over two months, two months of paychecks. And what does he do? What does he say in verse 42? When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which one of them will love him more? Now, the, the language here, commentators notice about that when it says that who will love him more? There's a really, since Jesus spoke Aramaic and Hebrew, there's a hard explanation to give on showing gratitude. And so that's why in the Greek, the best way to kind of explain that is to say who will love him more. For us to understand it, it could be who will show more appreciation to him, who will love him more, right? Who will show that thankfulness more. And so we get in verse 43, what does he say? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, haven't you judged correctly? Look at you. You know all the answers. Verse 44. Turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Scholars mention that usually in that, in that context, letting your hair out in a culture like that was shameful. She was willing to be ashamed for Jesus. She was already ashamed of her sin. And she was willing to be ashamed for Jesus to, to show that she was full of repentance. And then we keep going, verse 45. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. She's anointed my feet with perfume. Perfume, according to some scholars, is 300 denarii. Very expensive. That's all she had. She didn't have ointment. She had perfume, all she could give him. And verse 47, for this reason I say to you that her sins, which are many, so there you go, he does know. He answers the question from Simon. He says, if he knows, if he, if he was a prophet, he would truly know what kind of sinful woman this is. Jesus does know. These sins, which are many, I tell you that she's been forgiven. And it was this verse 47, for she loved much. He who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven little expresses, expresses little thankfulness. When we, when we acknowledge that we need to be forgiven, when we acknowledge that we need to repent, we need to express that gratitude, it doesn't need to be, the, the grace of God does not need to be dismissed. It does not need to be something we get used to. It reminds me of a story that I once heard from a man named uh, Steve Swafford, who was a, um, when he was younger, he was a banker. And uh, he, he talked about a story and how one of his first jobs as, as part of the banker, he, he would have to carry a box full of hundreds of bills in there. And he confessed. He, he did not feel comfortable doing that. That's a lot of money he had in his hands. He, it was a lot for him to carry. And then, and then months and months later, years and years later, he could take that $100 bill and could flick it like it was nothing. He could do whatever he wanted. And he said, it's because I got used to it. Church, we never, never need to get used to the grace of God. We never need to dismiss God's grace. His grace is powerful. And it's full of love. He decided to experience death on a cross just so that we could experience that love, experience that grace.
So yes, Jesus knows the sin that you struggle with. And he can correct you. He can, he can correct the sinner. Most of all, he can forgive the sinner. My fifth point. He, Jesus can forgive the sinner. Look at verses 48 through 50. He said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So he expresses to the woman and looks at her and says, your, your sins have been forgiven. Now notice the question in verse 49. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who forgives sin? Now, you and I went over the scripture reading in Mark where they asked that question, but they actually asked this question again in the same gospel. Turn your page over back one and go to, the, go to chapter 5 of Luke. Chapter 5, this is the same gospel, the same book. And go to uh, chapter 5, verse 20. This is the story of the, of the uh, paralytic who needed a, uh, uh, to be healed. And in order to do so, his friends was the one to bring him down the house, right, with the hole in the roof, just so he can be healed. And he heals him. And then what does Jesus say in verse 20? Seeing their faith, the friend's faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. In verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, this is either a predicament or a very comforting thing. Either Jesus is wrong and he's a liar, or he truly is God, and he truly can forgive sin. And what's most comforting is that he's willing to forgive sin. I love that. And so back to verse 49 of chapter 7. Watch this. Verse 49, those who were reclining with him, those are the Pharisees that invited him, with Jesus, uh, began to say to themselves, who is this man who forgives sin? Now, the emphasis on the word man. Who is this that, that they're saying who is this teacher? See, they, didn't, they, they only thought he was just some teacher, as I said earlier. They also thought he was creation from God. Who is this man created by God saying he can do things that God can? And they didn't realize they were talking about the creator. And this very same creator is willing and is able to forgive sin. Jesus can forgive the sin. He knows the sin that you struggle with. And Jesus can correct you for your sin, and Jesus can forgive your sin. And, ha and he looks at the woman, and he says that your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, how do we, again, how do we get that forgiveness? How do we get that? How do we get that eternal life? Verse 50, as I just read, says it. He says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He doesn't say, your faith, your tears, your ointment, your, your perfume, your kisses, has saved you. He didn't say that. He didn't say your faith and your works have saved you. He didn't say that. He didn't say your works have saved you. He said your faith has saved you. We are saved by grace through faith. And you and I have a faith that works. Right? It's not faith and works. It's faith in Christ that produces works. For good works, and you see that within the text. And what does he say in the very end? 
He says, go in peace. Who's the peace giver? Who's the one that can give peace? It's Jesus. That very peace is eternal life. Why can she have peace, especially after she's wasted her life? It's because Christ is the one who's changed her. Christ is the one who has forgiven her and has saved her. We are forgiven by faith in Christ. I want to, I want to read you a quote from Tony Evans. This is what he says. Quote, I love that Motel 6 commercial. It says, we're going to leave the light on for you. God's light of forgiveness is always on. Welcoming those sinners home who want to repent and ask his forgiveness. Quote. I love that. His forgiveness is always available. And he's always willing to give forgiveness, to give grace. And we need that spiritual reality check to understand we are not better than anyone. We don't need to have the mindset of the, of the Pharisee saying, well, if God only knew her, then this and this. No, we don't, we don't need to have that mindset. Even as a church, we don't need to say that we're the best church in, the, in, in Marshall. That's not the goal. The goal is to be the best church for Christ. Just because one church is struggling doesn't mean we get to boast about that. That's an opportunity for us to act like Christ. If there's something going on within our community, that's an opportunity not to judge, but to condemn, but to act like Christ because he corrected us first and he loves us. He knows your sin and he knows if you're willing to repent or not. He can correct you if you're willing. He corrected Simon, but we don't know if he was willing. The text doesn't say that. The text does say that not only can he correct you, but he can also forgive you. We need to have that spiritual reality check of grace to repent of our sin. I'm going to have a time of invitation, a time where we can invite Jesus, a time where we can invite him. It's peace, it's comfort, a time where we can acknowledge and say that we are going to give God whatever we need to give him, repent of our sin, let no obstacles be in the way, and show him our repentance. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful that you forgive. We're so grateful that you correct. And we're very grateful that you know our sin. We're more grateful that not only do you know it, but you also can forgive it. God, we're so grateful. Throughout the scriptures, it shows your goodness and your love. Let's not have an attitude to boast except in you. Not on our own works, not on anything, but on you. We're so grateful that you're willing to forgive. Let us repent of our sins and come to you and obey everything we need to do for you. For your glory, in Jesus' name.